Welcome to the Content and Media Matters podcast, a series of interviews with key leaders throughout the industry, all brought to you by the Content and Media team at Nuco, a specialist global recruitment and executive search firm. Welcome to the Content and Media Matters podcast. Your hosts today are me, Henry Johnson, consultant, and Tegan Valeni, managing consultant. And we're delighted today to be joined by Megan Wagner, the RVP for Media and Entertainment at Bitmovin. Megan always hoped to work in TV. Growing up, she wanted to be a TV reporter, a goal she achieved straight out of university before moving to DBI and then Imagine. Finding herself in commercial roles, she began working for Viamond Media Solutions in 2017, and it wasn't long before she was promoted to the VP of Sales and then the SVP of Americas. One day, Megan would like to have a puppy, though her life is very busy at the moment when not, not working at Bitmovin or caring for her young family. She tirelessly advocates for diversity and inclusion within the industry as Vice President for Board of Directors for Women in Streaming Media, something which she has been nominated for a Rise Award for. Welcome to the show, Megan. Thank you. That was a beautiful intro. I, I appreciate that, Tegan. I feel like you maybe had something to do with it. <laughs> I couldn't comment. <laughs> and I mean, to get us started, Megan, we always like to ask people the same question. How and why did you first get into the content and media industry? Uh, fabulous question, because I 100% did not plan to be exactly where I am right now, but I I really uh, took it all up to high school. I mean, you got to start somewhere, right? So I had a teacher that one time told me that I was really good at writing. So I just went with it. So I was like, okay, cool. This is what I'm going to do. And so I thought I was going to be a reporter. And then I started doing a lot of like theater and drama. And there happened to be an internship when I was in undergrad in my journalism training. And it was at a television station. And I loved it. It was like, uh, hey, tell a story, but strip away all of the um, all of the airiness and you know, just make it like you're speaking to your mother. That's what they used to tell me. And so I loved it. And once I got that news bug, like you know, being around things happening constantly, you can't kick it. It's amazing. So while I'm no longer on like the content, producing side, I am now helping people to get their stories to others. And it's become such a different world, right? Like all this user generated content versus, you know, something that was, uh, I, I would say a larger barrier of entry is no longer there. So. Oh, that is fascinating to hear. And it is always so different with each guest that we have. Um, so thank you for sharing. And now handing over to Tegan um, to dig a little bit into the past. Oh, Megan, it's, it's interesting what you said there, because mentoring plays a big role in the work that you do, right? But how have you benefited from the mentors that you've had throughout your career? And, and who have those people been? That is something that is what drives me every day. I think that when I was just starting out, I was very much mentored by very helpful and educated people that were in my career, but they were often men because there were yeah. not many women that I could find that I could go to. So I have had fabulous mentors in the world of you know how to um, represent myself, but 
it's not the same as having a woman who can say, this is how you do it in a very male dominated, you know, industry. So luckily I have been super fortunate enough to have a fabulous uh, mentor, uh, Sarah Foss. She's a CTO of Odyssey and uh, her and I used to work together at Imagine Harris, whatever it was back in the day. And I just... <laughs> I clung to her. I just stuck with her and she has been kind enough to take me along under her wing. And she was actually one of the reasons that um, and it inspired me to start the mentorship program that we have at uh, Women in Streaming Media. So yes, she is a huge advocate for women and development and moving us forward and uh, closer to parity within our industry. Oh, I know what you mean as well. I know for a long time, I was the only woman uh, in the companies that I worked for. And it's almost like when you see another woman, it's like, oh, it's like, it's just this, it's just being like a woman. Yeah. It's like an instant connection. You're like, Hey, let's talk about our eyelashes. Or, I mean, and I know that's so silly, but it's something that like day to day, like you just kind of strip that, uh, that away from yourself and you go into yeah. straight workout, right? But it's nice to be able to have that like informal just vibe of being, you know, similar in a way that you just met somebody and you already connect. Yeah. And I find it's very special as well when you speak to another woman in the industry, because I find a lot of my girlfriends outside of work, they don't have a clue what I do. Like I can't really talk about work really with them. And so it's this, it, you kind of end up sort of double isolated, right? Mm -hmm. well, absolutely I don't even think my husband knows what I do for a living <laughs> so much less like my friends or you know acquaintances in terms of you know it's a very niche industry right so yeah it's, and it's very incestuous if you want to be honest because <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I've hung out with the same people for like I don't know 17 years now and they you know they they keep moving up in the industry or many of them have retired, you know, it's such a stressful industry. Some of them have passed, but like, it, it is definitely one where it is a lot of the same people over and over. So we get each other. We kind of speak all the same language, but anybody outside of our industry is just like, what streaming? What is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I totally get it. And in your career, you've, you've been in a lot of commercial roles. Um, what are the biggest lessons that you've learned from your career to date that you now pass on to your own teams that you manage now? I think that for me, there's, there's a few things, but I'll try to sum it all up. So I think I was trying to be like the people that were mentoring me when I was younger, which are, you know, very much the same demographic, like older white gentlemen, which is fabulous. Yeah. They're fabulous, but that is not me. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think the first thing is uh, to be yourself and to realize that, you know, the things that make you different. And it's kind of like when you're a kid, I hated having freckles and red hair. And now I love <laughs> it. It's me unique. Right. So it's the same thing in terms of trying to tell people like lean into those differences and it allows you to make greater connections I think um, also I would say you know ask questions because there's such a big I think for me at least uh, I don't want to seem like I don't know things if I'm supposed to be maybe like the subject matter expert in something so 
it's important to be able to be vulnerable and to say, okay, I have some questions about this, or are we on the same page? Like we're saying the same words, but what does that word mean to you? Especially now that we're going from like traditional broadcast into streaming television, the roles that used to be very different pillars and silos are now the same. So the vernacular is very different in terms of what they say and what they say. So I, I would say from the beginning, just like make sure that you manage expectations and kind of level set, like, what does that mean to you? Right. Um, yeah. And then just never stop learning and being curious. I think that's like the most important thing. I, I just believe that no matter what level you get to, there's always somebody else that's going to be able to give you something that adds, you know, you, you take what you want and you leave the rest on the table. Right. Mm -hmm. But a lot to learn from others. Oh, I totally agree, especially in an industry that's ever evolving. The moment you stop learning, you need to step away. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. Well, Henry, I'm going to pass over to you for our next section. Excellent. And that was really inspiring to hear, Megan. Um, as someone who's new to the industry or fairly so, um, I definitely take stuff like that on board. Um, but jumping forward to the present and the future. Um, so we are seeing more ad-supported subscription services now, particularly through a cost of living crisis. What do you think the impact of this will be? So it depends on to whom you are speaking. So the impact for the technology side is that we have to be more flexible. I think that for, I've worked for European companies for now over five years. And it's, it's a different world, right? So there's a lot more subscription-based, like 100% SVOD in, in Europe. And I think they've had it for a lot longer than they have in the US. But the US has a lot of the big logos and they are looking at the lower cost ad supported. And so it enables, uh, you know, the other side of the coin, it enables people that maybe couldn't afford or put it into their disposable income, uh, the ability to access, you know, premium, you know, content. And so many of us, I think, are trying to almost just do kind of checks and balances in terms of, wait a second, if we add this service to this service to this service, is that not equal to my old cable bill? You know, like, so trying to figure out What's the most important? So the ad uh, provided, I think, allows people to make decisions that can maybe give them an, an extra opportunity. I also think for the ad world, it is something that is going to be important because people aren't watching as much traditional uh, television as they used to. And I, I honestly don't think that's that's dead. I don't think that's you know going away as many people say. Uh, I still like to turn the TV on and just see what's going on. Um, but all all things that I have now are on the satellite, like or not satellite. I would say internet, internet. Yeah. And I don't have local stations anymore, but I can go to you know like a Paramount app and I can find a CBS station that's close enough to me and watch that or. I, we had a tornado warning the other day and my husband was out of town and he said, turn on the television. I said, why? There's no local news on television. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I went to my phone and I asked Alexa. So <laughs> I mean, yeah. I feel like that covered it, right? <laughs> <gasps> totally. No, that's really interesting to hear. And I mean, thinking more to the future as well, um, where do you see the industry across this coming year when it comes to any changes or any advancements within the technology? 
So I am new in my role at Bitmovin. I've been here two months maybe, and I find that the reason why I, I was kind of magnetized to the company was because the tech is so cool. And, um, and it's just, it's very innovative and people that are continuing to innovate that that's very important. Um, but the idea of being able to, you know, access that and see it is, it's important, I think, not just for the folks that are doing it, but also the folks that are receiving it. Because at the end of the day, we have great things that work really well, but you know what, you got to be able to afford them. And this is the year I've spoken to several CTOs in the tier one um, M&E industry, and they all say this is a year of replacement. Like this is not going to be a year where we spend a ton of you know our budget on experimental things, right? Like that has been something that folks have been doing in like for a while and adding an extra you know piece to see how it works. So. For me, I think it's going to be a year of replacing maybe things that were um, just installed or implemented because they needed like a piece to fit that part of the workflow. And so that's been there. And now they want maybe something that's, you know, best in class or something that they can go to and find because I'm finding that many have just gone with this like one stop, like, hey, let me let me get this company uh, in to do my technology infrastructure because they do X, Y, and Z. But at the end of the day, it kind of looks like that old monolithic system we used to have, which is hardware sitting there that does everything. And you're kind of, you know, stuck in with uh, the pieces, whether they're the best or not, right? So I think that being able to, pick the pieces that you want, but then also show that there's, you know, you got to show that there's value. You got to show that it is a better solution or else why change, right? Like why not, if it's not broken, don't change it, right? Yeah. So you have to be able to, I think in at least the technology sector, be able to say, well, this is why it's worthwhile for you to take the time to, you know, either upgrade, change, um, move things, you know, it's, it's got to be an effort, but it also is so important in terms of onboarding and being able to say, this is not going to disrupt your life for the next six months and take up X amount of resources. You've got to be able to kind of help um, ease that pain or else I just don't think people will be interested this year. <laughs> completely agree and no, we could talk about that I think for a while as well um, but moving on forwards um great insight there I'm going to hand over to Tegan for our topic that matters thanks Henry so our topic that matters this week is focusing on how to develop a diversity uh, equality and inclusion initiative at, at a company Megan it's such an important topic and something that our industry still really really needs um Briefly, before we get into how companies can change their initiatives, why is this still needed in 2023? It's so sad. Uh, the reason why it's still needed is because it's still blatantly obvious that it is not a diverse industry. And the good news is that we're starting to see more and more of it, but yes. uh, we still have some ways to go. Yeah, absolutely. And why, why is it so important, do you think, for to have females 
in leadership in the industry and why are there so few women at those top C-level positions still? So as a hiring manager myself, I went out into, you know, this pool of resumes and folks that are trying to work. And to be honest, there are very few women that I have found that are qualified. So that's the, that's the issue. It's not that we're not picking. It's that they're, they're not being brought up from an earlier time to, to know that this is something that's an option. So I think it's advocacy at a much earlier stage. Like that's what has to happen. I actually had a LinkedIn post where it was speaking about um, how founders of companies are not being backed as much as female, females are not being backed as much as males. And I, I mentioned that. And then I had um, a good friend from my MBA class and he said, I hire based on you know skill and, and who's the right fit. Uh, why does diversity have to come into it? And it made me like think really hard. Okay, that's absolutely true, right? You have to have the right candidate pool. You have to have people that are um, willing and able to do the job. You don't want to hire just to hire, uh, you know, a minority or uh, some sort of, um, you know, diversity hire. But at the end of the day, if you do bring somebody on that is not like everybody else, and they're going to bring a new perspective, they're going to allow the company to look at things in a different way. They're going to have different experiences in their life in terms of them, you know, growing up maybe in a different way or having a different lifestyle. And what that means is you're going to be a better company because you have more to, to, to pluck from in terms of, you know, what your audience is, what the availability is for them. And I believe that for me, it's, it's so easy to stereotype when you're looking at a resume, you see a name, right? Mm-hmm. So the name itself, you can tell, you can tell so yes. many things about that. So you can tell, typically you can tell the gender. Sometimes you can tell like if they are, you know, maybe U.S. native or other because I'm in the U.S. And so some of the names are representative in, in the way that they are spelled or the different names yeah. that they really are. And so I think for me, a a very important part of at least the hiring side is to strip away the stereotypes and just like these unconscious bias that we have in terms of like what certain people can do. So, so take away that and just make it more a Mm skills-based. And so if you have a skills-based evaluation, then that, you know, it 100% could be anonymous. So instead of like going on LinkedIn and identifying who they are, or, you know, kind of trying to search a little bit about them, which is important and you should do before you hire anybody. (laughs) Um, Background checks are super important, but before you do that, it's to just look at the skill set and, when I found that I, there were so many women that I really wanted to hire for very particular position because I could see the potential. I could see how, you know, coaching them would make them into like such a wonderful part for that role, but we didn't have time for that. Right. So what needs to happen is we need to be out there in high school. We need to be out there in, you know, the universities and we need to be telling people, Hey, this is really 
fabulous industry and it's something that you can do anywhere, right? Like, cause that's a big thing. There's somebody that I was chatting with in my company and she it was a lawyer in Australia. Well, you wow. can't do that if you move to another country, like the laws are very different. Yeah. So she just like did a lot of research and she was like, you know what, if I do coding, if I become a software developer, it's this like, it's different languages, right? Depending on which software language that you're coding, you can do it anywhere and yeah. it's universal. So it almost opens up this whole new world of, you know, opportunity. And I think it's, I think it's fabulous that she was able to come to that point, but I mean, what a, what a stretch, like what a change in life, right? So if we can let people know earlier in life that that's an option, then I think we will start to have a pool of talent that is rising and that is able to get those C-level seats. I want to see people not on C-levels. I want to see people on the board. I want to see these women that are, you know, representing at the highest level. And I am not going to be um, dismissive because it's very important, but mostly HR and marketing, right? Like that's where you see most female leadership. And what I want is I want to see the tech. Like I want to see these women that are so smart with operations and analytical thinking and being able to really push the envelope in terms of what's available, uh, you know, and letting people know. So that that's what I'm hoping for. Oh my gosh. Preach. I love it. It's I, and I completely agree. Why, why not? But we have to start thinking long-term and strategic, not just, I need somebody now. Okay. But you're going to need someone in 10, 15, 20 years. So let's work on the future generation just as much as the needs right in front of our, our, our nose. Um, and how should or what should a company leadership team be doing, thinking about, strategizing about if they want to develop a diversity and inclusion initiative? Loads of people know that this is a problem. We talk about it. We see posts about it. But there seems to be this sort of bottleneck then beyond. Yeah, yeah, it's a problem. We've, we've got to do something about it to what on earth do we do and where do we start? you just hit the nail on the head. Like social media advocacy is phenomenal. Like I will like this. I will add my two cents in, in a comment, but like when the rubber meets the road, it's how do you do this? And I was mentioning before, not many companies have the resource and the budget to be able to allow somebody to do the DEI full-time, right? So oftentimes, the volunteer position within a company that you are adding to your current workload that uh, is probably not going to be an additional, you know, uh, payment, but maybe just an extra little, you know, uh, something different hat to wear. And so I think the first thing I can say is that you don't have to do it all at once. You have to be able to do baby steps, right? So I think finding a of people within your company that are also uh, passionate about the same thing. That's important. And being able to find kind of like a, a group or a committee or something that is going to be available to strategize in a very big, I would say very top level way first. So you have to think about like, okay, what do we want the company to represent in terms of diversity? Like it could be, you know, we want to um, make sure that everybody is represented on our audience side. So that's why we want to have everybody represented, you know, within, you know, the, the tech side, the, the industry. And so I would just say one step at a time. So yeah. 
you are starting to look at the demographics of your company and you see that there is a huge, uh, I would say, gap or um, if there's a big difference in the ratio of, you know, one to another in regards to men, women, um, you know, uh, race, um, mm -hmm. nationality, then that's something that you could start with, right? And by doing that, again, it's not just going after somebody because of that, um, but it's being open to it. And again, taking those blinders off, that's the biggest part of it. Take mm -hmm. your blinders off. And then you can see that there are folks that are available. It might mean that you have to recruit a little bit longer. Yes. It might mean you take the first person um, that is a great fit because maybe there's somebody else out there that's a great fit that, um, you know, maybe it just took them a little bit longer to come to you or to, to be found. Mm -hmm. And I'm finding that, you know, I, I get called on all the time. By recruiters. And it's, it's interesting to hear, um, you know, what roles they think I would be good for. So <laughs> many, many times it is, it's a role that I have done within the past, you know, few years. It's not a role that's like my next step. Mm. And so I wonder, do they call on me because it's an easy fit, right? Uh, it's something that I 100% have done. And uh, for me, I, I thrive on being able to say that I want to go to the next step. I want to keep climbing. I want to keep advancing because that's the only way we're going to help others come up. Right. Yes. And for, for me, it has been so telling to see that if that's the way it is, then it needs to start with recruiting as well. So you need to be able to, to see the candidates for who they are, but then also who they can be yeah. and what they done maybe outside of their very specific role that is still super relevant. I uh, coached not even just my friends. I, I have many attorney friends being from DC and uh, say, you can't throw a stone and not hit a lawyer in Washington. <laughs> so, but, but helping in terms of coaching and saying, you know, maybe you haven't done this in your professional career, but you are on the board of, you know, your church, you are on the board of your HOA, you are, you know, you're doing all of these things that are leadership roles and you are basically navigating, you're herding cats. So mm -hmm. you know how to do that. So it's something that you could 100%, uh, you know, it's a transferable skill. So those are the things I think that that could be looked at a little bit more openly, understanding that experience is very important, but if there are not enough, you know, women or uh, minorities or underrepresented, you know, uh, folks, then there, there has to be another way to get them in to make sure that, you know, you're taking care of looking at everything with more, with the idea of parity between everybody. Yeah, and it's thinking outside the box as well. I think it's um, looking at people as people and not people as resumes or people as profiles. I think that's, we just miss that so often. And okay, we want to bring someone in that's going to improve our diversity uh, and inclusion. Um, and as you say, maybe that means we're going to get this woman in, she's going to need a mentor for the first year. All right, we're going to provide her with a mentor because she can do the job, but she's just going to need that little bit of extra support. I also find so often that um, the women who are in the industry, um, I don't know if people are intimidated by them, but they certainly often can't afford the salaries that they're demanding. And there's a reason that these women are demanding high salaries. It's because 
okay, guess what? They were the best at science at school. They were the best student in their STEM, STEM subject. They were always the best because they've had to be. They've had to strive and hustle and to move forward in a way that their male counterparts haven't. So actually they're exceptional and we need to make room for them in their pay package as well. And okay, yeah, we're paying them what they deserve and they still got to pick their kids up from school. We just need to flex more. Yes. And if anything has been positive out of the pandemic, it has been that people have personal lives, right? Yeah. Instead of it being like a taboo to hear a kid screaming, like, you know, off of camera, it is something now that is just normal. I was on a call with a very important client yesterday and he said, I'm so sorry. I just got a call and there's been a fighting incident with my, you know, with my child at school. Oh yeah left to go get the kid and I'm talking to everybody else from his company and I'm like so do you think he was the instigator or was he the one (laughs) (laughs) the idea is the same it's that we all have lives right so it's not like okay let's accommodate women because you know oh wait they might need to take some time off if they are thinking about having kids no I mean, it's, it's ridiculous to think that way because what you're doing is you're, you're, you're trying to hire people that are going to come into the company and help shape the company, right? Especially in a leadership role. And if you're doing that, then it's going to be something that has longevity. And so you 100% need to think about the big picture. And I mean, working for a European company, as I said, for a quite a few years now, I have been able to see how that is done and how it can be done successfully, right? Like there are opportunities for men to take time off just as much as Mm -hmm. there are for women. Whereas in the States, if you get a couple of weeks, then you're lucky. And many of the women where I'm at currently um, have no rights in terms of being able to take any time off uh, with pay at least. So, um, you're right in the fact that we work harder because we have to, yeah. and we do rise to the top, which means that we should be compensated in a correct way. I also think that I always get an offer that is lower than maybe what a, a male you know, counterpart would be offered. And I don't know I don't know why that is, except for the fact that maybe they think it's it's something that I would accept. So th- I would say that for anybody that is, you know, going through negotiations, I help women with, you know, comp negotiations all the time because it's so important. We just take it. We just take what we get. Like we work our butts off and then people offer us, you know, Hey, like, this is something that we think you'd be good at. Okay. I'll take it and I'll learn and I'll get better. And then I'll move up to the next rung, but you know what? You need to negotiate where you're at. You need to negotiate something that's going to work for you. Obviously the flexibility, I think that is, that's becoming more of a norm that is no longer Hey, I, um, I work for, you know, a European company and they let me take my kid to kindergarten and pick them up. Right. Like that's, that's okay. We are all doing in terms of like content and tech and, uh, streaming, we all have the ability to work from home typically, Mm -hmm. Uh, unless you're actually pressing buttons somewhere that you need to be. But most of the times you can do that virtually to be fair. Um, even (laughs) recording like now you can do from home. So there really is 
there's, there's not a lot of reason why that's not something that could be easily offered up. But I think when you're starting to talk about comp packages and being able to find ways that, you know, you are benefiting, it's not just something that aligns with the company, but the person has to benefit from it. Um, I'm starting to see things happen in the U S that I never would have imagined. Really? Um, there are people that are taking one-year sabbaticals, not women, men, but it doesn't matter because the whole point is that the company values the person yes. enough. To say, okay. You go take a year, travel with your family, go see other places or, you know, have like a, I don't know, kumbaya moment and, you know, figure out, you know, like what it is. But at the end of the day, you are talented. You bring something to this company that is very important and we will value that. It may not be a paid sabbatical for a year, but it means that maybe you have a position when you come back. Mm. It, the exact same position. It might be, a you know, a lateral parallel position, but the... The ideas I think that companies are willing to at least try out these days, it's it's exciting. And, and that's exactly what it is. I think you have to ask, you have to be um, bold enough to ask for something that's not the status quo. And then uh, companies will say, hmm, well, we could test, you could be the guinea pig, right? Yeah. Like you and if it's if it's not successful then that's fine we didn't do like a company-wide initiative right and so that's what I'm finding is that you know there are people that are you know like you have the quiet quitters but you also have the quiet like winners right the yeah. ones that are saying, like how do I make this work for my life and then if it's successful then the whole company can have a different you know kind of a vibe and feeling of if if this is something that we can do and it can help us and why not do it again? Repeatable success. That's what it's all about. You always want to be able to repeat the success of, you know, a sale or anything that is uh, something that you're putting a lot of effort into. And with a company, that's important when you're hiring people, right? Because it takes a ton yeah. of effort. You guys know this. This is your yeah. industry. It takes a ton of effort to get the right person in to make sure that the timing is right, because it could be 100% the right candidate but horrible timing. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because I often think with any kind of um, quality or an inclusion, it's not just, it doesn't just improve the company culture values, uh, ability to deliver for that person, but for everyone, if we're inclusive, it doesn't matter which box for want of a better word that you put people in but it include it improves the whole life experience of that entire um ecosystem and we're in a relational industry this industry is built on relationships and it's built on people um so we need to look after them and think differently sometimes yeah absolutely yeah. i think that you know, the proof is in the statistics. If you have a, wide, yes. a more diverse company, then you have a more profitable company. Yeah. yeah. Is there? I, I am all about analytics data, like back it up, show me where that is. It's there. Yeah, I, I completely, completely agree. And do you have any advice that you would give to anybody in the industry who might feel um, that they're in a minority, whatever that may be, or anybody who feels that that they don't have a voice and there's a there's a challenge there, what would 
what advice would you give out to that person? I would say that what affects me the most, what has throughout my career and what I've seen with others is that you need to find community. You need to find something that is a place where you can go and you can say, hey, I feel out of place. I feel like I'm the only one that is this way, this way, or this way within my company. Because there there are fabulous mentorship and coaching uh, programs within companies, but it needs to be across the industry, right? It needs to be people that are in finance when you're in sales. It needs to be somebody yeah. that's in marketing, you're in engineering, and it needs to be somebody from different company, to be fair, because there are different ways that you view things when you're within a certain company. Have a mentor in your company. We just started yeah. one in Bitmove. Again, month two. And after, um, you know, going through a lot of, uh, the paces with some of the folks within the company, we have a mentorship program going. Amazing. So that's fabulous. Um, I'm not going to say it was all me, but I'm going to say that I <laughs> made it, I made it very important when I got hired. I said, Hey, I do a lot of volunteer work, mentorship in terms of bringing women up in, in the industry is so important to me. And if I'm not going to have that flexibility, then that's, this is not something I can do. And the company just 100% supported me. So that's important. Um, so how do you find your network? How do you find your people? Uh, mm -hmm. that's something that people come to me and ask all the time. Um, you know, there's a, there's a gal that, uh, I work with and she's, she's actually a prospect. So kind of like on that client, you know, seller, mm -hmm role. And she says, Megan, how do you find women? How do you find people that you can talk to? And, you know, there are networking groups. There are, there are places that you can go where we're having all the same conversations. So uh, I'm on the board of women in streaming media, and that mm -hmm. is a network of over a thousand women. Um, we started off at IBC, I think in like 2018. Um, and uh, the founder, Alicia Pritchett was nice enough to allow me to start a mentorship group within okay. that networking group in 2019. So for that, we're able to take a kind of mid-level and uh, those would be the mentees and then the mentors are more like in the C-suite. So mm -hmm. I definitely, I think, started with a different idea in terms of, you know, how do we how do we let women excel to like the next level? Because the more that I'm working with that and going through these cohorts and we've had over 50 women now go through it. Uh, we'll have our sixth one this, this quarter. Oh. Uh, that's, yeah. So look us up if you need one, but in terms of like what, what I started with versus what we're talking about today, I was, I was just thinking like, we need to get all of these women that are already in these roles up to higher roles, but that's the whole problem is that it's so hard to find women that can qualify for this role. So that's why I'm saying we got to go backwards. We've got to be yeah. able to say we're starting it. And, and there are lots of groups that are able to help with that. There's Rise. I know that's based mm -hmm. in Europe. They are fabulous. Um, yes, there are there are groups that I've been a part of. I I mean, I honestly could I could probably list at least 10 of them that are maybe not industry specific, but they're about gender or they are industry specific and not about gender. And so there are places that you can go. I think, you know, trying to find somebody within your company or within your industry that is at a level that you want to be, or that is basically like just kicking ass and saying like, okay, I want to be that person, right? Like those are people that you can reach out to. And if they don't have time, 
to personally one-on-one kind of work with you, they will 100% point you in the right direction. Yeah. And um, yeah, women love to help other women and they, we get such a bad rap, like, oh, women are, you know, like women bosses, women leaders, like, and it's because we get different adjectives attached to our names when we are boss. And don't we just, yes, and I'm trying to be very PC here, but yes, it is. It's 100% different when you have a boss woman, when you, then versus like a boss man, it's, it's just, it's very different. Um, in terms of the way that they are treated, the way that they're put there, the way that you are perceived amongst the industry. Um, oh, is that person there just to fill a seat? Or is that person actually like able to, you know, do they have the chops? And yeah. that's why we work so hard to get to where we are. I know as a young 20 something year old working in the tech industry and media, there was nobody like me. Everybody remembered me when I went to call on them because I was the only person that looked like me. And it was very difficult for me to gain credibility. So you know what I did? I worked my butt off and I was like, I'm going to get these meetings, but I'm also going to go into these meetings and know exactly what I'm talking about and make sure that I can speak at the same level as some of these folks that have been there for a while. And now it's more educating how do you go from traditional broadcast to streaming, right? So, so it's still an education. It's still, most of my job is basically consulting and letting people know how to do things. But now I have the experience and I have the time that helps back it up. But for people that are just starting out, I would, you have to, you have to put the work in, you have to put the time in, you have to study all of the old stuff. So you can understand where people are coming from to get to the new stuff. And, um, and it's always going to be changing, which is so awesome, which is why this is the coolest industry to be in, because it's always going to keep changing. I completely agree. I completely agree. And I, I love it. it. People often say to me, like, oh, my goodness, I've never met someone who loves their job that much. I'm like, yes, because this industry, it's electric, right? We get a front row seat to seeing how this industry is changing and evolving, not just externally, but internally as well. Um, and if this is where we are now, think three, five, 10 years time, it's gonna be really different because of what people like you and I and Henry and other people in the industry, organizations like Rise, they're opening chapters now in APAC and North America and it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Oh, Megan, I, literally could um sit and continue this in fact we will continue this over a glass of something at some point I'm sure but I'm gonna pass to Henry for our final uh questions echoing that and I mean Megan I'm so inspired from this and I might have to join you for that glass as well um but we always like to ask our guests a similar final question a bit about your personal life we've heard about your career so we're a curious bunch and we'd like to know um what is your idea of a perfect weekend not gonna lie I maybe uh, listened to a few of your other podcasts so I knew that this question would be there but I didn't actually think it through in terms of the answer I love going to new places and experiencing new things. And that's something that my husband and I love to do together. The thing is, we we grew a family during the pandemic. Um, I, there, there was nowhere to travel to. So we just decided to, you know, have children. And um, <laughs> we obviously put a bit more thought into it, but that's just what happened. And so now it's harder. 
to get on a plane and to travel with two toddlers. So I would say in this present moment, because anytime before now, I would have said, <laughs> I want to go to a place like Thailand or Morocco where I've been. And it's just, you, you just, you know, get completely saturated with the environment and being somewhere different, but because it's not going to be as easy to do with the toddlers, I would say currently a perfect weekend would be sitting on my back porch. We live on a little lake. Um, my husband oh. likes to go out fishing um, all hours of the day. At night, he'll say, I'm going to go through my colon for a little bit. And then hours later, after it's dark, he comes back in. But, um, so watching him fish, watching the kids run around in the backyard mm -hmm. and play on, you know, the swing set, the playhouse, those types of things. And um, not having, you know, to to worry about, you know, what's going on necessarily in the industry at the day. And I think that is a good day. Uh, and also just being able to talk to friends, I think during that, whether it's, you know, on the phone or maybe seeing them in person, that's also very compelling because it's something that we took for granted. It was, yeah. You know, we could always go hop on a plane and see our friends. And now it's, you realize like that's actually an effort and you need to make sure that, you know, everybody is uh, safe to do that now. So mm. I would say that would be a perfect weekend, except, you know, I, I would definitely need to make sure that there was downtime in terms yeah. of life is so busy and I love my work so much. I am 100% an ENFJ in terms of my personality. Yeah. Which means I'm super outgoing. I make a lot of decisions based on feeling, but I also like to have like a reasoning behind it. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I spend so much energy throughout the day, throughout the week. And so on the weekend, sometimes it's nice to turn it off and to just do kind of mindless things. I started crafting recently, which is super weird. Oh. For me. Um, I make like t-shirts for my kids, like, you know, like with designs on them and it's absolutely not where I thought it would be, but it's a way when they go to sleep, I come upstairs and I do this and it's mindless. Yeah. It's so rewarding because when I get done, I give it to somebody, right? Like yeah. it is the best of both worlds. You you're able to kind of get that, um, you know, self-care that you need, but then you can also give it away to somebody. <laughs> Excellent. No, I sound a bit jealous as well of the crafting. I know Tegan's been doing some crochet, but we could jump to that another time. Yeah. Um, but handing back to Tegan to wrap things up. Oh, Megan, thank you so much. Um, it's been fantastic to just hear um, your thoughts and your insights on the industry, particularly on uh, diversity and inclusion. Um, and I'm sure that, that we'll be meeting at NAB or, or a trade show soon. Um, and I think the other thing I just wanted to add is when you were talking earlier about, you know, reach out. If you're new into the industry, reach out. Definitely. Um, either to anyone who's listening myself Megan Henry if that's you please do drop us a note um and we can be a signpost but thank you so much Megan it's been a real real pleasure um having you on the show thank you very much for having me thank you for listening to the show if you enjoyed it please do subscribe and give us a rating it really helps these stories to be found and enjoyed by more people for more information about NUCO, we can be found at www.nuco-group.com. That's N-E-U-C-O-group.com. -E